our relationship with the DOT is really good. Those guys do a really, a really, really good job. Hey now, Mountain Crew. Welcome back to the Mountain Podcast. We're going to be taking our third run together here today, and it's going to be a blue square, maybe a little bit of a black diamond episode. And I say that because of who we are talking to and what it is they do. We have a couple of mountain operations directors, one from a big ski area and one from a small one. But before we get there, we're going to talk just a little bit about overall company structure and how it lays the foundation for a ski area to happen. Let's walk on up to the lift shack, flip the switch. You're on the mountain. ski area structured the business the staffing model if you are an hr leader who really wants to nerd out on different types of organizational structures call me up talk to me about divisional structures matrix structures flat structures particularly if you're in the tech industry right now i'm only going to briefly talk about the functional organizational structure I would bet in the business school sense, your ski area is operating under a functional organizational structure. This is not specific to ski areas. Many, if not every job you have ever had has been for a company that's structured this way. This functional structure means that you have a hierarchy in your organization. You have an organizational pyramid and you have a human at the top of that pyramid and they oversee from the high level all of the functions that need to occur to make a ski area happen. So let's start at the top. Maybe an owner or an ownership group or a board of directors. And either one of those ownership types of people are there on site, taking top level oversight and management responsibility for the ski area. Or perhaps as often happens, that ownership entity hires a general manager to be on site overseeing everything that happens at the ski area. But that person may not know the nitty gritty of each individual position in the company. Not always, at least. Sometimes. But you don't have to have worked as a rental technician or a ski instructor to oversee a ski area. Instead, you hire the people who know how to do those things and you let them do it. You divide the entire body of work that needs to be done for the ski area, all of the functions, into departments. The rental department, the ski patrol department, for example. And then you group those departments into groupings of departments that have a similar body of work to do or are most closely related to one another. 
And then you place those groups of departments into a division. At the top of that division, you put someone in charge of those department groups, say lift maintenance, ski patrol, and those other departments that do work outside. Roll them all together, call it the division of mountain operations. Same thing for retail, rentals, ticket sales, hotel rooms, etc. Maybe call that the hospitality division or maybe break it up. Maybe there's a couple different divisions there and maybe it's called guest services, marketing, human resources. But there you have it. These leaders of the divisions, call them directors, maybe VPs, depending on the company type. Roll them all together, have them report to that person at the top, the general manager, and you have your executive team. All of the departments below make the foundation of the pyramid. Perhaps oversimplified and, and nuanced between a large organization and a small one, but you get the idea. It's all about specialization, really. Just like when Henry Ford laid out his factory workers on the assembly line. Sure, you could hire one person to plow the parking lots and park the cars, and then after the car is parked, the same person walks the guests up to the lodge, rents them their gear, sells them their lift ticket, and then walks them out to the ski lift and turns the lift on for them. And then if they get hurt, administer some first aid. But why? That's not how the rest of the world works. The barista at Starbucks didn't also go somewhere near the equator and pick the coffee beans themselves, did they? No. We, the humans, have become very good at specialization, in dividing the labor we need to do and have someone become the expert on a specific task. So let's talk about it in that sense. I wanted to do that upfront now before we get into episodes about specific departments. We better chat with some divisional leaders first, shouldn't we? It's an important part of how it works. Just before Christmas, I took a trip up to Crystal Mountain Resort in Washington. It was raining, which had me spending less time on my skis and more time talking with my friend in Mountain Operations at Crystal Mountain. The VP of Mountain Operations, to be exact. The guy in charge of everything outside. Scott Bowen. Scott Bowen. And before you get excited about maybe hearing about the multiple changes in ownership that Crystal has gone through over the years, slow your roll. We're not going to get into the stickiness of that. Not too much, at least. I was more interested in learning how Scott got to be in that position. It's a tough job and how the departments function underneath him. He pulled out a photo album, the kind in a three ring binder and showed me old school pics, which was awesome. We looked out the window and watched the rain and just kind of chatted for a while. So you might hear me chime in on top of our conversation to clarify a question or a topic. We kind of hopped around a lot, so I'll stitch it together here. Scott is also on the board of our trade association, and this is kind of a cold open to our conversation, so be prepared to just jump right in. You'll catch up quick, I promise. We were talking about the podcast structure in general and why I wanted to speak with him, and then we go from there. I hope you guys dig it. I know I sure had a good time talking with him. Check it out. 
here it's probably a little different than White Pass, where there might be, you might have a stronger division of labor here, I would guess, than people wearing lots of hats at a real mom and pop place. Right. That, that's probably right. the distinction, I think, between the big ones right. and the small ones is there might be just a few more hats that one person changes at some other places. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what I want to frame that one as, and we'll see if it works. And to get that, lay the foundation of that, I think it's really interesting to learn like your background, mm-hmm. other of your manager's backgrounds, and kind of mm-hmm. how you got up to now being sure. Scott Bowen, VP of Mountain Ops sure. at Crystal Mountain. Sure. Uh, so how did that happen? Well, you know, actually, so I think I've been doing this for about 36 or 37 years. I kind of forget now. I'm 61 years old. So um, I started in actually working in a ski shop in Tacoma, Washington from when I was 10 years old till I was 17. Not at a mountain, just at, at 10. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I used to ride my bicycle up and work in the rental shop. So, you know, that's where I kind of got introduced to skiing and I learned to ski here at Crystal and I learned at the summit. And uh, my mom used to, you know, take me to the bus stop and I had my little brown sack sack lunch and would put me on the bus and I learned to ski with Cascade Ski School. Mm-hmm. Martin and Shirley Fop at, uh, at the summit. And then at uh, 18 years old, I got done with high school and I came up here to Crystal um, and worked on the trail crew in the summertime. What did the trail crew consist of then? Trail crew, right. Dropping trees. In the summertime, dropping trees, and we were actually building C-Max Ski Run. And I enjoyed that. And uh, then uh, this is 1976, and uh, I got hired on as a lift op underneath Bill Steele, and I ran the Green Valley Chair and I think we just went right through Christmas, and in 1976 was a year of a drought. Hmm. And uh, I was living in uh, Slippery Creek down in Greenwater, me and my buddy, and uh, there was no more work. The ski area was shut down, and uh, I was living in uh, Greenwater at Slippery Creek. And we basically ran out of money. We were just kids. I moved back home. And uh, then it started snowing again, I think it was in February, towards the end or March. And I jumped in my Volkswagen bug convertible, it was a sunny day, and I put my skis in the back and I drove to Sidnaquami Pass. And uh, I went to Ski Acres and I got hired on as a lift up. So I did that for the rest of the season and it was really cool. I thought it, it was just the coolest job ever. <laughs> And uh, then I had to figure out how I could make more money doing it because I knew I just couldn't be a lift up all my life. So I went back home and uh, my stepdad said, you know, anytime you would like to go to college, I'll send you to college and uh, and I'll pay for it. And I'll give you a hundred bucks a month for rent and $10 a week for food. I said, well, I found this little college called Wenatchee Valley College, Ski Resort Management Program. And he said, if you want to do that, go for it. So the next year I signed up for the Wenatchee Valley College Ski Resort Management Program. And uh, I did that for two years. 
in my second year, I was the manager of Leavenworth Ski Area. Um, that was my little gig up there. So I got paid a, do a dollar an hour um, mm. as, a, as an intern from Wenatchee Valley College. And I drove up, I forget if it was three or four night, nights a week. And I drove up uh, and uh, I ran the rope tow. I sold the lift tickets. I was the ski patrolman and I was the groomer. All the hats. All in one. Yeah. And <laughs> it was so funny. But anyhow. Um, Who of that class, so if your other schoolmates there in Wenatchee, went on to do other things in the Northwest at the level that you have? Well, I don't know for sure, but do you remember Jeff Flood? No. Jeff Flood was the grooming supervisor at Timberline. In fact, I think there's a chairlift name uh, after him. Okay. And uh, so Jeff Flood was at Timberline. And then uh, Tom Lomax, I believe, went to Wenatchee Valley College. He did. Was yep. he in your class too, or is he maybe a little younger than you? Maybe a year younger or a year older. I don't remember. Yeah. And. Uh, so, but yeah, there there was actually a lot of industry people that came out of one Ashley Valley College, yeah. um, which was kind of cool. So I graduated from there, and uh, I jumped in my Volkswagen bus, and uh, I was going to go east from there and go look for some good dry snow and get a real job. So the first place I stopped was Big Sky, Montana, and. I really knew nothing about Big Sky. And I went and talked to a guy named Tiny Bingman that ran the shop there in the grooming crew. And he hired me on the spot. And I said, well, this is the first spot that I stopped at. I need to keep going east. So uh, I said, if I decide to, to come back to Big Sky, I'll come back and see you. So I left there. And uh, the next stop was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I swung by Jackson and I got hired as a groomer in Jackson on the basis. This was, remember, 35 or 36 years ago on the basis. If I could find a place to live, I'd be hired as a groomer. Hmm. I couldn't find a place to live. This was even then. Yeah. Even then. Yeah. So I left there and I went through Colorado. I got so that's early. Hold on. So that's early 80s. Yeah, so it was probably 1980. Okay, so yeah. perspective. 1981. So I was one year old <laughs> in Idaho Falls. <laughs> right there. So I left there and I kept going east and I went to Colorado. Colorado. I got uh, I got hired as a groomer in Keystone and and uh, I think it was Arapaho and and I decided you know what I think I'm going to go back to Big Sky because I loved to hunt and fish, and there was great fly fishing there and great elk hunting and deer hunting and all that good stuff. So uh, I went back to Big Sky, and it's probably the best thing I ever did because uh, I uh, actually, my very first year at Big Sky, I lived through another drought. <laughs> and uh, I started grooming at Big Sky, and I was running old Thicol 2100s and Sprites and we were pulling rollers and powder makers and didn't really make any snow. And then the drought came and then I had three or four other jobs. And, and then I met a guy 
on the grooming crew. That was a commercial fisherman in Alaska. And uh, I got hooked up with him. And that spring I went up uh, to Prince, Will uh, Prince William Sound and did the uh, herring thing with the Cabana brothers and uh, made, made my first decent money. And then uh, came back to Big Sky. And uh, then I went back up to Alaska, did this salmon gig with the Cabanas, and uh, back to Big Sky. That next summer, um, I was gonna, going to go back to uh, Alaska and go fishing. And uh, I was brought into the office via John Kircher and uh, the ex-general uh, uh, manager. His name was Bob Fritz. And I think I was 22 or 23 years old. And they asked me if I'd like to be mountain manager. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I thought, you know, I kind of thought I'd have that job when I was 35 years old or so. And so I said, well, let me go home and think about it. Like I really had to think about it, right? And so I went back home next morning. I went back and said, okay, I'd love to be mountain manager. So I guess I was at Big Sky for another 15 or six, six, 18 years. And then uh, John Kircher was the GM and I was the mount ma manager. And we built a lot of high speed lifts there and built a tram there and built condos and built a hotel and put in snow making and did a lot of really cool things at Big Sky. And then uh, I always knew the guys uh, that owned Crystal, you know, which was the Founders Club and whatnot. And we always stayed in touch with uh, with the chairman of the board here at Crystal. And and uh, one day they called and uh, called me and told John that, you know, there's a good possibility that Crystal Mount could be bought. So we came out and took a look at it and worked on the board of directors and whatnot. And um, we left Crystal and or left Big Sky and we came out to Crystal about 24 years ago. With Boyne as the new owner? Yes. Boyne as the new owner. Yes. So was there, was that the first Boyne or did they already have Stokolmi? I, don't, I can't remember when they got Stokolmi. Um, in the Northwest. In the Northwest, it was Crystal Mountain first. Um, prior to that, we had already um, bought Brighton in Utah. And then uh, the next ski area was Cy Cypress Mountain. Uh, up on the North Shore in Vancouver, BC. <laughs> and then there was a, there was a sell-off um, to a, com a company called CNL. Uh, so Boeing sold uh, Cypress Mountain to CNL. Boeing also sold Brighton in Utah to CNL. And CNL was a REIT, but um, a REIT could not operate their own ski area. They had to have a operator. So we retained the management for those ski areas and managed them for CNL. Since then, uh, Boeing has purchased Snoqualmie Pass and purchased all the areas that Boeing used to run for C CNL. Mm -hmm. Now they're the owners of those areas. So when you got to Crystal, what I see that sometimes happens between departments is as new players are coming in and you're, I guess you're evaluating what everybody's strengths are and how you can put your skills to best use coming to another mountain if you've worked at other mountains before. 
were there departments that didn't report to you at the time that eventually got rolled up into you? Not really, you know, Crystal really was a lot smaller area than Big Sky. Big Sky, there was a lot more going on at Big Sky as far as hotels and and maid service and postal service and all that kind of stuff. You know, in a way, Big Sky and Crystal were kind of similar, except there wasn't the lodging hospitality end of it here at at Crystal, all the lodging and hospitality here at Crystal is owned by other individuals. So basically, when we came here to Big Sky, you know, all of Mountain Ops worked for for the GM and worked for the Mountain Manager. Um, we just changed things up a little bit here. I guess when we first came to Crystal, uh, we pretty much modernized everything here. There was a lot of uh, old old equipment. There was a, a lot of old riblet lifts. There was a old grooming fleet. There was an old snow removal fleet. They did things uh, kind of in the mom pop fashion here uh, when we first came here, and we changed changed that around. Basically, you know, we got we built modern detachable lifts. Um, modern snow cats, modern uh, ways of uh, removing snow, uh, parking, um, just mm -hmm. basically sprucing the place up a bit. Well, and that's still continued now with Altera. What was your summer projects this year? What's new this year? And, you know, and then again, you know, this is a way different company to work for than than the Kircher family, you know, because the Kircher family, which is Boeing, you know, is basically a family held company. Altera is a group of ski areas that's owned um, by two different groups. There's the KSL group and there, there's the Crown family. And, you know, it's a bunch of investors that own a bunch of different ski areas. So back when Boeing owned the area, uh, not this last summer, but the summer before that and the summer before that, we put in a entirely new snowmaking system. And uh, with that, we uh, built a eight million gallon pond. Uh, we ran miles of uh, new snowmaking pipe that was frost-free, um, all buried uh, five and a half feet in the ground. Uh, it went from 12 inch, uh, 10 inch, eight inch, and six inch. Uh, we put in about uh, 48 uh, snowmaking towers with uh, Super Puma guns. And uh, with the towers, uh, uh, the towers are all connected to underground vaults. Um, and all the piping, electrical uh, water is in the vaults themselves and the vaults have heat in them. Um, we also built a new pump house to go along with the whole new system, the pump house. Uh, we have four vertical turbine pumps in there, um, and we pump about 3,200 gallons a minute of water um, to the system. And uh, it's an SMI system, and uh, uh, it's all controlled uh, via smart snow. Um, so we can control the whole system uh, with the computer. 
Uh, basically, we can run the whole thing with a couple guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a very efficient snowmaking system. It changed, changed the world up here. It changed the world up here for sure. Changed the world for me because I'm the old school guy that... Uh, you know, was always draining the pipes at night and dragging guns around and hoses around and cords around and unburying stuff. So uh, this is uh, a pretty neat system. It works. So now how often, I guess talking back down to your departments and your managers, how often now are you out there? Because it's not dragging hoses and stuff anymore. You have a manager running that for you or how? I do. That you, you? you know, um, I'm pretty much out there every night. But, of course, I've got a sodomaking manager. Um, I, I don't have to do that much uh, hands-on work on it anymore. Um, I wish I did because it's so easy to do. But uh, <laughs> basically, um, I've got a, a manager of uh, snow services now. And uh, we actually hire um, a guy from New Zealand every year to come out and run our our system. Mm. And his first name, his nickname is Easy. Mm. (laughs) And uh, Easy uh, uh, gets the job done for us and he comes out and we make snow for about a month and a half and and then he grooms for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So it works out really well. I need to go back down to New Zealand and work in the snow on the and other season. And then he goes back down to New Zealand and makes snow and drives cats. So yeah, yeah he's a he's a year eternal round. winter. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool dude. We jumped around in our conversation a little bit and uh, wanted to know what some of the new things Crystal had going on this season in addition to the snowmaking infrastructure they put in for last year. We have two uh, Pistabole 600 diesel electric cats, uh, which save about 30% more uh, fuel mm-hmm. than our other PB600s that are straight diesel. Uh, so we're doing that also. And... Uh, and what else have we done? Oh, we um, we just added 12 more gondola cabins. We just uh, finished up our load tests yesterday, actually. Uh, so uh, our gondola now is maxed out uh, at nine, 900 per hour. Yeah. And uh, one of the new 12 cabins is is uh, the same color, uh, pistol green, as our diesel electric um, oh. cats yeah. and so that's our green initiative cabin and uh, there's actually a, uh, a there's a computer screen which we're going to install on the 20th of this month that's going to be in the cabin going up and talking about all these different uh, environmental mm-hmm. initiatives that we are doing cool so uh, yeah what are all the departments that roll up so basically, uh, uh, mountain ops consists of uh, lift operations, lift maintenance, grooming, sewer and water, building maintenance, electrical, plowing, uh, plowing, snow removal, um, and then. Uh, now Scott also, of course, said ski patrol. I just uh, lost it in editing. So we're heading into holiday week now. You're gonna get over your rain event. Talking about those departments that roll up to you, and each of them has a manager heading that up. What is their, what are their hours like right now? 
Well, you know, you know, as all scary, man, as you know, you know, come the holidays, it's all hands on deck, you know, so, so, you know, of course, you know, we don't like to run any overtime with all our seasonal staff and everybody else, but there's no way to avoid it, you know, over Christmas. Um, so, you know, we all try and get at least one day off a week, uh, over the holidays, but, uh, it's pretty much all hands on deck, and this is the uh, this is the time when you make it or break it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and everybody knows that. I think that works here, and uh, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. What's it look like then? When's when's cruise control start to happen? Cruise control kind of happens right after the first of the year. You know, once you get through the holidays, it's that big sigh of relief, right? Um, if you've made it through, you got snow, you got the crowds here. Um, right after the first of the year, I think uh, things are pretty much on cruise control. Everybody's trained up and and knows what to do and and how to do it right and most efficiently. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of years of service, who's your of your department managers who's been here longest? Who's been in their position the longest? I would say the longest of years of service would be uh, my head of lift maintenance. He's been here for 30 plus years. And uh, I'd say next would probably be lift electrical. And she's just probably been here for almost 30 years too. Mm-hmm. Who's your freshest? I would say the couple guys uh, that are in charge of lift operations, Drew Anderson, um, and the guy that's in charge of our ski patrol, his name is Peter Dale. Mm-hmm. And uh, those guys are up and coming stars. I first met Drew in the summer, maybe six, seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Crystal sold some of their RFID flap gates. Right to Mount Bachelor. Yes. When yes. I was working at Mount yep. Bachelor and I came to Crystal that summer with our uh, IT director, marketing director, and myself came with the flatbed pickup and rode up with Drew and he had this the genie boom and lifted some gates up and we took him back to back to Oregon. That was the deal of the century. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Bachelor still uses them or not. I know they've upgraded some yeah, gates so, since Yeah, then, so. I, mean, I actually installed all those a- access gates here yeah. all over the mountain. And I uh, spent a couple years doing that, a couple summers. And um, then the guy that used to own the place decided uh, he didn't like him anymore, and mm-hmm. and so we said, take him out. So took him out, and uh, you guys came up and took him away, yep. which was great. Yeah. Somebody could use him, it was good. Yep. Okay, since we're in the Pacific Northwest, we have to talk about the rain a little bit, and also go a little deeper on the snowmaking equipment that Crystal installed last year, and how that has changed the game. It does. It feels just like last year, though. Slow yeah, it start. Does. It does. Everywhere. It's a little later than what it was last year. We were just right. a little it's better. It's a little bit time. later. And this is almost identical what it did last year. You know, we made snow low up to the 5,000 foot, foot level. We emptied our pond. We have an 8 million gallon pond. And we can't refill the pond. We have water rights to... Uh, to fill the pond, but we can't refill it because there's nothing running in the creeks. We need rain, yeah, right? Yeah. So we made
made down low, we were open down low. We needed snow from the 5,000 foot level up. This is just, just, just before Christmas. Christmas 2018. It rained from the 5,000 foot level down and it snowed from, from the 5,000 foot level up and it recharged the creeks and we refilled the pond and then we made snow down low which i mean it really doesn't matter if it rains on it or not because it's 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 dense right Mm -hmm. and we were in for the holidays and so it's doing the same thing now 2019 um we didn't have any snow from the 5,000 foot level up now we got snow it's raining from the 5,000 foot level down and i was just at the pond we're about a foot from the pond being filled because of four inch, almost five inches of this because rain. Of all, yeah, and there's recharge in the creeks, and the creeks are flowing strong. The pond's filling up. Um, when this thing leaves, and it always does this at Crystal, it seems like, when this thing leaves, it's going to get cold, and it's going to leave us about three inches of snow down low. We're going to get a blanket. It's going to look white, and then it's going to cool down by this weekend, and we're going to fire up the man-made snow, snow making, and we'll be good for the holidays. Yeah, they don't so, even know. I'm psyched. Yeah. It's all good. It's wet. It's still wet snow up top, about 5,000 though, so it's- It is. Gluing it, it is. on. It's just gluing it to everything right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we really need this to stabilize the snowpack up here too, which is good. Yeah. So, you know, this is gonna give us a good stable pack. Yeah. Yeah. So. What of, I mean, in these rain events, it's usually you don't want the cat on the snow when it's dumping rain. So this was really tough situation, you know, because from the 5,000 foot level up, it was wet and it was heavy. Um, and we have intermediate runs over on Forest Queens, so we had to get those runs groomed. So we did groom those runs, but, you know, to get to those runs, you got to go through the base area. And uh, as you can see, our base area right now looks like a big lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we tried to stay off of the base area as much as we could. But mm-hmm. there's a couple of those lake spots you got to run through, and we ran through. And Just try to stay on the same track the whole time? Exactly. <laughs> Just stay on the one little exactly. sloppy lane? So that's the challenge, you know, with weather like this. You know, it's, uh, it's difficult, to say the least. Yeah. It's difficult to ski. It's difficult to groom. It's just difficult. <laughs> but we're yeah. just winter farmers. That's it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And the day after tomorrow, nobody will know this is here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I heard bombs this morning. Lots of avalanche control this morning. Yeah. And uh, we're getting lots of things to move. Uh, there was a lot of. Uh, uh, faces that went right down to the ground so which is a good thing you know Mm because we're going to start out from from zero and those will be safe right Mm -hmm. so yeah uh hand charges do you guys have guns hand hand charges yeah everything is hand charges Mm -hmm. and then we have some bomb trams you know of course that are on ropes that we Mm -hmm. pull out over valleys and whatnot Mm -hmm. gullies but uh, how many how big is the patrol crew that went out throwing bombs this morning 22 22 is our uh, total for for the day. What time do they get started? Well, this was early morning uh, this morning, so they were they were out the door about seven o'clock. I noticed a lot of uh, RVs down there in the lower lots. 
So uh, we've got about 72 RV spots. Uh, we call that the B lot crowd. And uh, we've got 30 amp power and 50 amp power. Uh, down there we added uh, 32 new spots, I believe about three years ago. And um, all those spots now are 50 amp. And as the uh, RVs have grown, so have the spots. So uh, we made those spots a lot wide, wider, you know, to accept bit, Pop bit outs bigger and RVs and tip outs. Yeah. And, and everything is 50 amp now, so. How has that changed your plow crews in the lots? How's it changed their nightlife over the years? Well, you know, I think we just do a better job at uh, accommodating those RVs, you know, and always having a, uh, you know, a nice spot uh, for the RV to pull in. Um, you know, that's all in B lot, so we try and uh, keep B lot plowed uh, seven days a week for the most part. You know, it's just easier for us to keep that plowed than to let it build up with a couple feet of snow or a foot, and then it just takes that much longer. So we always try and keep it in fairly good shape. Mm -hmm. We also maintain the boulevard, so we got six, six miles of road here from Highway 410 coming up to Crystal Mountain, ski area. So um, we've got 12 lane miles, uh, one lane up, one lane down and we run three plow trucks on it. And then we also have a great uh, grader with a uh, with a wing on it. Um, when the snowpack gets, uh, gets above the guardrails, I actually run the grader and I'll run down hmm. and uh, grade everything um, above the rails and wing it all back. Um, and when we first came here to Crystal, you know, all they did was uh, dump sand on that road. So they had sand spreaders. Uh, the Forest Service went and let them use any de-icer. Um, so it took a few years uh, to uh, convince the Forest Service uh, to let us use de-icers on the boulevard. So in turn, we don't put any sand down on that road now. Hmm. Uh, we're purely uh, uh, salt brine and uh, meg chloride. And it's worked out re really, really well. Uh, we have a lot safer road now. It's better for the environment. We have a sand shed, an old sand shed down at the vehicle shop. And we used to go through about 4,000 ton of sand a year. Hmm. And, you know, of course, all that sand would hit the hit the sides of the uh, boulevard and then a big rain would come just like we've experienced and wash all that sand down to the creeks. What's the relationship like within the Department of Transportation? So if you guys go all the way down to the turnoff, right? but DOT takes it from there. Our relationship with the DOT is really good. Uh, uh, those guys do a, re a really, really good job. So we're lucky to have a great relationship with them. The uh, boulevard coming up, uh, which is kind of unusual, is is actually owned by Pierce County. And, uh, and the ski area is actually in Pierce County. And uh, so this is kind of the most guardrail that Pierce County has. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and really doesn't plow any roads except for, you know, that are in town when they get the unusual winter event. So uh, Pierce County does um, 
does participate in funding um, um, our salt up here. Uh, of course, we buy all the you know plow trucks and equipment and uh, everything else in Pierce County. Um, participates in helping us with the salt and also they do the maintenance on the road in the summertime which is a big thing mm -hmm. um, they actually rebuilt the road about four years ago um, all new guardrail uh, did like a like a uh, uh, eight inch over, over overlay on top of the road um, and actually did a lot of rock scaling um, on the uphill lane um, on the banks, which was very helpful, <laughs> very helpful. Have you heard of White Peaks Technologies? They provide hospitality software for ski resorts, golf resorts, hotels, and much more. All of their products interconnect and communicate using one central guest database to track your guests and better understand your market. We're talking point of sale, property management system, time tracking system, online forms and waivers for your online store, and more. Their software is easy to use, requires minimal training, and is extremely efficient. White Peaks Technologies. Check them out at whitepeakstechnologies.com. So Scott ended up having to take a phone call there. Uh, and We didn't really get the proper, hey, goodbye, thanks for the conversation um, recorded. So that was it. That was a great time with Scott. And we have the time here today. So think back to episode two when I was at Hoodoo. I also was able to sit down with Jake Smith, the lead of mountain operations at Hoodoo uh, down in the Southern Cascades of Oregon. And definitely not near as a long of a conversation that I had had with Scott. And remember, Jake was also administering the job fair at the beginning of the season at Hoodoo. So he didn't have a lot of time for the day either. But I think it's really interesting to kind of hear that bit of an in-depth with a really big mountain uh, and then phase down to a smaller mountain. Um, so here's just a little bit of that conversation with Jake Smith. And I'll let you guys do the comparatives on your own. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I'm Jake Smith, the mountain manager here at Hoodoo Ski Area. That is everything outside belongs everything to you. outside. Right? <laughs> yes. Name them. Name your departments. Um, I oversee lift operations, grooming, snow removal, um, train park, ski patrol, pretty much everything. Yeah. Maintenance, lift maintenance, of course. What was your first job ever? First job ever. Ever. Paper boy. Whoa. Pedaling a bike, heavy bag of papers. This is a Mitch Hedberg <laughs> joke. <laughs> I had to deliver 500 papers or two dumpsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your first job at a ski area? At a ski area, I started as a vehicle mechanic. Where? Up here at Hoodoo Ski Area. You worked at any other ski area? Uh, no, sir. Who I worked do? for Casbor All Train Vehicles and worked at many ski areas. Yeah. Um, so grooming is kind of in your blood. Yes. Yeah. Although I've never worked as an actual groomer. Oh, okay. But I've had 
I've had quite a bit of grooming experience, you could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So job fair day, preseason day. What does your preseason look like? Most guests are going to see, and, and a lot of really staff also that aren't mountain operations and don't know that detail. You do last chair in the spring, and then you take a nap until October, right? Yeah, you know, we just lounge around, wait for it to snow again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have various projects. You know, we keep uh, quite a crew, a crew of about eight people up here all summer. And uh, as soon as the season ends, we're getting ready for the next one. So, you know, getting the lifts ready, getting any special projects we want to get done. Um, we do a few little summer events up here at Hoodoo, but nothing too big it's just time to to get things geared up for the next season so hiring today for lift ops for grooming for everything is there any of your departments that you're set on you don't need any staff for um that's to be determined i mean pretty much we're accepting applications in all departments um here at hoodoo we do get a lot of returning staff in the seasonal departments you know, a lot of returning lift operators and, and kitchen staff, retail staff, rental staff. Um, but again, every department needs to hire, you know, positions. And Is there a department you're most concerned about to, get, um, to have properly staffed? Most concerning, possibly kitchen, tube pill. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know how many are returning to the our tube hill. Um, so kitchen, you're concerned about the kitchen. That's not your world, though. That's not my world so at why all. Are you, why are you concerned <laughs> about all. the kitchen? At all. It's a rough, it's a, you know, it's, it is not my world, but I like to eat. <laughs> so so I, I suppose we better make sure it's staffed. <laughs> Do you have any crossover employees who are going to work inside and outside? Um, there'll be a few. You know, that's... That's kind of rare, but um, yeah, definitely we have we have a few that bounce around. Maybe they're a, a lift operator for two days a week, and they come work in the rentals for a couple days and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, how big is your patrol pro paid patrol staff? Um, our pro patrol is fairly small. You know, we we operate with a lot of volunteers on the weekends. Our, it, we're mostly covered by pros during the week. You know, obviously we're closed two days a week for most of the season besides holidays. Um, can't tell you the exact number of how many. So what's your, what's patrol. that operating schedule then? What days are you closed? We are closed Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. So Thursday morning. What's Thursday morning look like? Thursday morning can be hectic. Depends on weather. You know, sometimes uh, if it's been snowing, we come into, you know, two days of, of snow. Although many times on, on the closed days, you know, a couple of us are up here. Snow removal keeping things dug out, you know, grooming. Grooming will come in on the heavy, you know, when it's snowing heavy during those I can imagine off. Tuesday, Wednesday, if it's dumping, yep. you want to keep the parking lots kind of exactly. be ahead of it so you can get cars parked Thursday morning. But Thursday can typically be pretty awesome with two days of, you know, snowfall yeah. on the ground for Thursday morning. Is there, and maybe you don't notice this, so then Monday, your last chair, Monday, going into two days of naps. Uh, what's your crew morale like Monday afternoon? 
it's typically pretty high you know depends on depends on that crew member whether how hard we worked them or or whatnot they could be exhausted they could be happy that it's friday for them depends on snow <laughs> depends on snow yeah, yeah. <laughs> depends how much they got to ski that week before so if you're on a five-day operation then are lots of shifts those five days so everybody's friday is yes it makes basically. you know it makes it good for for some of my maintenance staff because you know i don't need to double shift a lot of people although with night ski my lift maintenance staff does work long hours we all get the same days off typically you know unless there's extra work to be done on those two days we're closed are you night skiing on all five of those days we night ski thursday friday saturday okay so there's three night skis that uh, you know for the most part a lot of my maintenance staff has to pretty much double shift so something probably a lot of people don't think about Tell me about your lights, your night lights. For night lights. So we've made some improvements this year. You know, last year was the first year of expanding over to the Ed chair for night skiing. And um, this year was uh, more fixing up what our what we ex had existing on the Manzanita side of the hill. So uh, replacing a lot of the old high pressure sodium lights with new LEDs and upgrading, mainly upgrading the circuitry, the wiring to those lights. And when in the, I'm not going to call it an off season, the other season, uh -huh. <laughs> did you get that work done? Um, that was done, you know, we started probably late July, early August, and we've been working on it since. Um, it's pretty well buttoned up, you know, we replaced a lot of the old wooden poles that have been here since the 1960s that needed replacing. Um, we we kind of fixed some dark areas on the mountain that may not had the best lighting before and uh, just to light it up better. How far, so if that was a July project, right now, I know you're job fairing and really waiting for snow to fall and get winter happening. How far into next summer is your head? Um, quite a ways, you know, you never get every single thing you want done this year so it gets put on the list for next year you know so I'm definitely thinking ahead for next summer and and thinking about you know maintenance projects and and things that we need to get done what's top of your top of my list nothing as far as you know I can't say for any big projects at this point but but just maintenance load testing of lifts will be coming up for next year you know small things that that your normal public doesn't really see mm -hmm. gotcha so if i'm a first year be it a lift operator or in terrain park or whatever what is what's a pro tip so you're the you're the pro old tip. man now you've been pro around tip. you've been doing it keep a good attitude don't let uh co-workers bother you and and ski as much as possible i like it <laughs> Well, I'll let you get back to your job fair. Thanks for giving me a little peek into what's going yeah. on before the lift starts spinning. Thanks for coming. Follow that chair on out. Come on out to that red line. How y'all doing today? Good, how about you? Oh, it's living the dream, you know? It's another beautiful day in paradise. Here comes that chair, guys. Yeah. Enjoy. Ah, it's a chairlift talk. Whoa, Eric, you totally pushed me, man. Oh, that was 
snowboarders! Come on! <laughs> you guys were like, you guys were squished together, dude. I couldn't fit. Oh, my name's Alex. I'm Josh. Josh hey, I'm Josh. Kevin. See that? You're on a podcast right podcast. now. It's oh, called The Mountain. The you don't mountain. have to say your name. Your name's not Josh. This is We're on Gertrude. the podcast mountain, and we're on the mountain right now. This is chairlift talks, buddy. You're having a chairlift talk right now. Yeah, what do you guys want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about loading just now, where you're a skier, I'm a skier. <laughs> we're on the ends of the chair of this quad, and we got two snowboarders in the middle of us, and this one snowboarder just went horizontal flat board as we are loading and knocked my right ski out from underneath me. You and about had an incident. Yeah, you, you guys went together, and I couldn't stopped. get in. The, <laughs> hardest, the hardest part of the mountain is getting up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you hang out in the tap room too long, then it's getting down. Well, uh, <laughs> either of those, yeah. Uh, no, this is good. We're sitting in Mount Baker on a on a fixed gripped quad chair. Uh, we're probably moving at about 500 feet a minute, maybe. Oh, per minute. Yeah. yeah. You almost said second, and I was all like, well, you know, then you convert to meters per second. If you talk about it in minutes, it's This feet. is America. We don't use yeah. meters. Well, the, the I know we're pretty though. close yeah. to the border, but it's yeah. still Where technically. Where are you guys all from? I live in Washington. Uh, California. Oregon. Okay. I'm all here over. in Washington. Here in Washington. Yep. Nice. Are you local? Yeah, I live uh, in Glacier. Nice. So. We stayed oh, in Glacier. Really close yeah. to Glacier last night. Nice. Well, in Glacier. Yeah. We were right in Glacier. Were we? Yeah. I've been, uh, I live in my trailer with my dog. Nice. And I've uh, been up here since Monday, actually. What kind of dog? He's a purebred German Shepherd. Oh, yeah. How old is your dog? It's his one year and one month birthday today, Happy actually. birthday! Yeah. What's his name? Sigh. I was just going to say, German Sigh, Shepherd, you've got a loyal companion, but he's also a pupper's right now. So yeah, he's, and he's, he's coming to be loyal. nuts, so, you know, he's a little testy. He's going to get loyal well, someday. He's 90 pounds already. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a half hour trying to find him in the parking lot, so. Yeah, he books it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what's, he that, what's that smell? He what's did. that smell? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Nice. You guys enjoying the race? Uh, we stopped and watched it a couple times. We've been in and out. It's like, it's great to stop and watch it because it's tons of fun, but there's also, especially the day the sun lit up. Yeah. Like, you can stop and watch a race or you can go shred. Yeah. So it's a little both. Nice to be able to see. Uh, the lines today are, we, we've been fortunate with the lines at the bottom of the lift. Uh-huh. Uh, a little fewer people than yesterday, it feels like. Yeah. Which I thought might be a little opposite because uh, yeah, the sun came out. Finals. Sunny. And it's the finals of the, the legendary bank slalom. Uh, what's your gear? What skis are you on? These are Sago skis. They're made in the Tetons. <gasps> uh, <laughs> these are called the Sloppy Joes. Uh, they're super fun skis, but uh, yeah, Sago, they're Kind of a smaller ski company. We grew up in the shadow of the Tetons. Okay. Teton boys yes, right here. Driggs or Victor. I can't remember, but they're made in Driggs or Victor. Yeah. I yeah. Can't remember cool. We did a little trip, the three of us, to uh, Targi last winter. Okay. And I actually hadn't been there with you guys in a long time. That was, uh, so we were like junior high ski club buddies. Dude. Yeah. Like, we got to Targi and I had to ski there with these guys forever. And it was like old lines. Nostalgic. Like it was. It was so nostalgic, like skiing. Old we stayed lines. on the mountain. Old too. lines. It was a great mountain. Was I was awesome. out there for, uh, around New Year's this year, and yeah, it was my first time skiing around there. You went to Targi? 
or Jackson? Yeah, uh, Targi, my buddy's on uh, full Josh maintenance the there, man. so he hooked it up with some passes. Oh, like lift maintenance? Um, just general mountain maintenance, and uh, he's got a couple free tickets. Did uh, boot pack up uh, the pass, whatever that's called, I can't remember. Oh, she got pass? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Had some fun. Oh, yeah. Friends rent out. Um, Pine Creek Lodge, which is south of Victor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> they rent it out I've for stayed three at Pine days Creek Lodge. every year for New Year's, so we have a huge party oh, there during cool. New Year's. Really? Can we yeah. come next year? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like, come I on think down, we're going to right? Idaho next year yeah. for Christmas. Oh, sure it's it's the last time I stayed year. at Pine Creek Lodge was like a Boy Scout. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah Boy me Scout too. Thing, like, that's like... So we got like 50 <laughs> homies that all show up and we just party for three days and everyone has snowmobiles and skis and just a good old time. That's awesome, man. Yeah, super cheap, you know. Just like, totally fun. cool. Oh, top terminal, three towers out. Here we go. Where uh, should I not go right now? Like uh, sarcastically, <laughs> I'm I'm not a local. Where should I not go? He wants a pro tip. He's yeah. not gonna get it. Not go. Don't go home. Don't, don't go, go home. home. All right, that's for, that's don't good. Don't go enough. to Canada. I heard it sucks up there. Dude, we talked to a Canadian yesterday, and he was all like, "Never again. I'm, I'm never skiing Canada." Again. <laughs> hey, thanks for the trailer talk, buddy. Yeah, good meeting you guys. I'll have good to meet you, you too. Where's the podcast? The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's wherever you pod. All right, that's it for this run, everybody. Thanks for riding along. And don't forget, if you work at a ski area in the Northwest, this is your podcast. Be part of it. Email podcast at pnsaa.org. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so the next episode pops up on your feed. And be sure to start leaving those reviews. We'll see you next time on The Mountain. I got some great old pictures here too. I just, I just found these. Check, check this. It's got dirt on them still. This is pretty cool. But uh, that was uh, that's the Summon House, right? Mm. And this was building Rex, mm. Bill McGee uh, being wall on Rex. But this is cool. This is the tram at Big Sky. Uh-huh. So I had uh, two llama helicopters when we were building the Atran at Big Sky all sun all summer long. And that cool check out that bucket flying off the back. That's yeah. flying off the summit, right down the big the big cooler. To go get more mud. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Jeez. That's that's the top terminal of the tram. I was building uh, the top of Midway. This lift is gone now. And it's at Loop Loop. That's that fixed script Palma Quad huh. at Loop Loop. This is when we first came here. We did all this plaza. All this, this is what it looked like when we came here. This is building uh, Sikorsky Sky Crane. That was 
building, probably forced clean or a Chinook. Too funny. That's me and John. There's John and me. Mm-hmm. Zillion years ago, right? I'm Goggy Foggles. <laughs>